Uh, I started out a series called A Solid Foundation. How many know the foundation of anything is, is, is the most important part of it? A building, the foundation of a building. Without a proper foundation, a building can't stand the tests that the environment brings. Is that true? And so it is with our life. I have a conviction, and I want to read scripture here to begin, that we are, are headed towards the second coming of Christ. Uh, at least a third of the Bible is prophetic in that it deals with what will happen just before the Messiah returns. He came the first time as a baby uh, and, uh, to, to redeem us, and he grew up like we do, and he took our sins and then bore our sins, the Bible says, in his own body on the cross, and then he died in our place, and he was judged for our sins, and then he was raised from the dead and now is seated at the right hand of God. Is that good news? And then just before he left, he gave the church the authority that, um, that the first man, Adam and Eve, gave away. God gave Adam and Eve the first man, that is humanity, he gave humanity authority. It was given to God's arch enemy, Satan, when Adam and Eve obeyed him by yielding to lies and deception. And Satan became the God of this age. And now we have authority, the same authority that Jesus had. Yes or no? So Jesus is coming back the second time. When he comes back the second time, he's coming back to right all the wrongs, to, to uh, bring to light all the hidden things of darkness that hinder God's best and God's purposes in life. And uh, he's coming to judge and to make war. He's coming as a, as a lion. He came as a lamb. Second time he's coming as a lion. And in doing that, we're going from, and I've said this so much, but some things need, I need to repeat. We're going from a time where the grace of God has been in constant manifestation. The grace of God is still on us. How many have experienced the grace of God in this room? Well, if you've experienced grace, you're a blessed person. But, but we're going from a time, uh, the age of the church, and we're going now into an age of judgment, and that's just before Jesus returns. Most people know little to nothing about that, but we're going to experience in real time what it feels like. How many hear me? So the unsettledness, the shaking, you can use whatever adjective you want to use, and I just untied my shoe. Can y'all let me tie my shoe? I just actually created a knot. So, uh, wow, this is the first time I've ever done this. Well, that's a good humbling experience. You're good as your foundation, right? So I actually forgot what I was talking No, I didn't. I know what I'm talking about. So what, what you got to know is um, this time is, a, a, an unsta- is a, a destabilization time where God's enemies actually think they're going to defeat him. How many know Satan has a desire to conquer the whole world? You know, he did it one time at the Tower of Babel. And all of the world was of one language and then people came together and they built this basically an astrological tower uh, in the Middle East uh, to, to worship the signs of the Zodiac. And uh, Bible scholars say that's where heathen religions began. God said of that group of people in Genesis chapter 11, this is not in my notes, y'all. Um, God said of that people in Genesis chapter 11 that, uh, you know, these people are one, they have a common language. Uh, and this they begin to do. Nothing will be restrained which they have imagined to do. There is tremendous power when human beings unify themselves, right? So God came down and confused their language, and that's why it's called Babel, because they couldn't understand each other anymore, and that ended. Well, Satan's going to try to do that one more time in a person that is typically known as the, the Antichrist. He's the man of sin, a man of lawlessness. The Bible has lots of adjectives to describe him. He will be something of a leader uh, in the Middle East. Many people think worldwide, but, but we're coming into that right now, and the, the stage is set right now. What we've experienced the last two years is a stage setting uh, for an apparatus to uh, come online uh, so to speak, so that uh, this person can begin to speak into every human life. I have done a lot of reading on this, and what they have planned is not good. I just want you to know. But see, one thing they forgot is the God factor. God's always one, one step or ten steps ahead of anything they plan to do. How many hear me? And uh, they're not factoring in that Jesus is coming back. They're also not factoring in the fact that there is a group of people on earth called believers Book of Acts, it says, those that turn the world upside down have come here too. And you know what? We're world upside down turners. Yes or no? 
And you don't have to be afraid of the things that are coming, but we do need to be aware of them because the things that are going to be happening in the next few months, years, are, are, could be mentally destabilizing, could be emotionally wrenching, uh, and physically challenging, as well as spiritually, well, spiritually uh, ch- uh, challenging as well. So, you know, that's why we just need to know. Somebody said if you're to be forewarned is to be forearmed, right? So here's what Jesus said about that time, Luke 21, 25. Expect to witness amazing and perplexing signs throughout the universe with the sun, the moon, and the stars. The raging of the sea will bring desperation and turmoil to many nations. Passion translation here, verse 26, Luke 21. Earthquakes will bring panic, disaster. Uh, What men see coming to the earth will cause the fear of doom to grip their hearts, for they will even see the powers of the heavenly realm shaking. So my my conviction and what I just said was that we very easily could be the generation that sees Jesus return. And we're going into that pattern of time, the era of time. The second coming coming of Christ is not just one event. The the, um, original language in the scriptures for coming is not just a one-time event. It's a series of, it's a series of events that culminate in something. So Jesus' second coming is not just his second coming, but it's, uh, but it's the uh, earth uh, seeking to become monopolized by one person with a global government, etc. And then it also, it also entails the rising of the church. There's going to be a supernatural move of the Spirit of God, unprecedented in the history of the world just before Jesus comes back. How many hear me? And I want you to get ready for that. God wants us to get ready for that. I'm going to know God's going to use you to minister to people who have no hope because you're going to have a lot of hope because you know Jesus is going to come back. There's going to be tremendous moving of the Holy Spirit at the same time. I mean, it seems like all hell is breaking loose all around us and people are going, what are we going to do? But the power of God will be, be so demonstrative that that will overcompensate for the grit and the horror and the, and the tragedy and the challenge that we face. How many hear me? Now, that's exciting. Now, if that ruffles your feathers, your feathers need to be ruffled. If that upsets you, you just might need to be upset. We have a lot of people that are asleep. And God is wanting to awaken the masses of believers worldwide. It's estimated 2 billion people are Christians worldwide. I wonder how many of those are really strong believers or are are, are just in name only. Well, he's wanting to get those that are on the edge and those that are asleep and those that are uninformed. God wants them to become informed in our day, yes or no? And it is definitely a day to be informed. It's a time of great deception. The spirit of Antichrist is already here, like I said, seeking to destabilize cultural norms. That's what's happening in America right now. We used to be a Christian nation. You can't say that now. Now, we have a lot of believers here, but there's a lot of believers sitting on their hands and not doing a whole lot, but it's time to rise up. And I guess got a feeling Satan don't know, doesn't know what he's doing. He's actually awakening a sleeping giant. And once that giant calls the church, wakes up, man, look out. We're going to have some, we're going to have some amazing times. Y'all ready for that? Let me ask you some questions. Do you have a solid conviction? This is from last time I spoke uh, about this subject, a solid foundation. Do you have a solid conviction that regardless of what happens, you'll make it through it? Do you have that kind of, or, or you say, well, I don't know. Well, you need to know. Uh, are you spiritually, mentally, and physically prepared for huge challenges that upset routine? See, mentally, you know, uh, one, one exercise that I do, and, uh, you know, I've done a, a, a lot of uh, short-term missions trips to various nations. And, you know, when you go into a, what I would call a destabilized area where life is, uh, you know, a little, a little bit unusual, you got machine guns, you know, on the corners of the street. Some of you have been in those locations. And, you know, uh, peace is an illusion. You hear me? And uh, so, you know, you just mentally, you know, okay, so what, you play the what-if game. I often play the what-if game for me. So if I know I'm going to a hard place in life, I play the what-if game. What if this happens? What if that happens? How am I going to respond? What's that going to feel like? What's that going to look like? How many know it? it that's, that's a good game to play with yourself because what are you doing? You're, you're preparing your mind for challenges. If you never prepare for challenges, you're going to be at a huge disadvantage. 
And now how many hear me? It's time to prepare for challenges. This is a, a challenging time. It's a challenging time spiritually. We're going to talk about the spiritual preparation today, but the mental preparation is also important. How many hear me? You know, I've been in situations, and I can't go into the weeds on this very far at all. I was telling this story to Tony Cook last week, but, you know, I was on a missions trip and a plane crashed that we had that I was on two days before. And uh, I saw people become immediately mentally unstable, uh, literally. They, they went crazy. Um, we, we had about 100 people from America in, in Central America, in Guatemala, a plane crashed. And, and y'all, it, it showed immediately how strong you were mentally and emotionally. And we had some fairly new believers there, and they were not ready for what happened. And, and really, people actually began to hallucinate. I didn't know those kind of things could happen when you're in trauma situations, but I found out real quick, wow, life can change in a moment's notice. And in that moment's notice change, that shows what's inside of you and what kind of preparation you've made. How many hear me? So right now is a, a really great time to make mental preparation, then physical preparation. I've been saying this for some time, and now we got ships, you know, now we got containers uh, out in the ocean not bringing goods to America. Have you been to a grocery store and seen empty shelves lately? Hmm? Uh, various ways. So I'm just saying, I've been saying this for a long time, have you some food on hand? I've got long storage food at my, uh, well, anyway, I've got some. I don't need to broadcast everything I got. But I'm just saying you need to be smart and uh, you need to have some food on hand. If you don't have some, I'll give you some. That's the way it is and God will multiply it. And uh, you just, it's time to prepare. If, if you live from week to week, paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth, it's time to make a change. Because you're going to come up short and say, help, and we'll help you. But it'd be better for you to be in a position to help somebody else. Yes or no? Listen, God's placed you in your community for a purpose. God's placed you in a community for a reason. And I know you have a community like mine. We got all these nice houses and fancy smancy yards and all that. And we drive up in our car and the, and, the, uh, and the garage door goes up. And you drive in your garage. And before you get out the car, put the garage door down. Nobody sees anybody. But there's coming a day you're going to see your neighbor. And God wants you to be able to minister to your neighbor. How many hear what I'm saying? Are you able to recognize deception when you see it? Here's another question. What are you involved in right now that compromises your walk with God? Don't answer out loud. These are challenging questions. So you need to ask yourself questions. You know, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 13, uh, uh, check up on yourself and see whether, examine yourself. I would say check up on yourself and see whether you be in the faith. How are you doing spiritually? Is your flesh pulling you down? Is your mind pulling you down? Are your relationships pulling you down? Are, are you half in and half out spiritually? Is there one foot in things that it shouldn't be in and another foot supposedly in the kingdom of God? How many know it's time to straighten all that up right now? We're, we're in preparation mode, y'all. So, so uh, let me ask, and, and I asked this two weeks ago, what do you fall back on and believe about your life when circumstances get tough? What's inside? That's what I'm asking. What's inside of you that rises to the surface when challenges, sudden challenges come? Is your life built on sand or stone? We mentioned that two weeks ago. You know, if uh, we're building that new building to, to uh, put the foundation in, we had to dig, dig, dig several feet, and then we put rebar and then cement, and then the wall, exterior walls of that building are built on, on a firm foundation. So do you, are, are you sand or stone? Is your life built on that which is brittle and won't contain, uh, won't bear the weight of challenge? Or is my life built on rock? And that is when challenges come, you say, bring her on, I'm ready. That's the attitude that we need to have today. How many hear me? The most valuable asset in the days to come will be what's on the inside of us that gives us stability and that produces hope both in us and others. How many hear me? Everybody with me? So again, as we enter into this judgment phase, just be aware of what's happening. You're not going to be able to pray this away. Uh, you're not going to be able to believe it away. These things are going to happen. They've been prophesied. They're, they're set in concrete as it were. But the Lord knew that we would be born in this day and that we could handle any crisis that comes. And see, we are the stabilizing factor throughout the world. Believers are the stabilizing factor in every culture that we live in. How many hear me? So the question is, is, are the winds of culture blowing you 
Or are you standing firm when they resist what you believe? That's a big question to answer, isn't it? So, 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 so I want to change gears now. It's the word that gives us an ability to hold steady in the coming storm. So I've got seven things about the word to make a part of your life. I will only get to two today. I had 12 pages of notes. I said, Lord Jesus, I'll never do it unless they stay like we do in Africa or India and stay all day. So two, you ready for the two? And we'll come back next time and just cover it until we get all seven done. Seven things about the word to make a part of your life. Number one, God's word brings stability to your life. How many hear me? Isaiah 33, verse six. I mentioned this last time, but it bears repeating. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability. Everybody stay stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Wisdom and knowledge. I started my life as a really unstable person. My personality was that way. Um, I was really edgy and, uh, you know, unsure of myself uh, and emotionally, relationally. I was up and down, uh, up one day, down the next. And um, what was popular affected me, and that was my teenage years. A lot of people wait. They go through their teens, 20s, 30s. They meet the Lord later in life. The longer you wait to meet the Lord, the more, the more uh, things you've got to break off of you. The more habits that you've created mentally, emotionally, relationally, personally, spiritually that you've got to break off. But we're not like dogs. They say you can't teach a dog new, an old dog new tricks. Well, we're not dogs and these aren't tricks. This is real life and the devil wants to defeat you and muffle your voice and keep you from being effective. Yes or no? But wisdom and knowledge will be the stability. When I read that as a young man, when I read that word stability, I thought, well, I need some of that. I need some stability. Again, what, what was popular affected me. And let me tell you right now, if you're a person that follows the crowd, you do what's popular, you want everybody to like you, you're not going to do well in the future. Did you hear what I just said? There's got to be something in you at some point that stands up. One thing I like, you know, I've, I've got a number of friends and personalities are interesting to watch. And I've been a watcher of people all my life because we learn a lot by what we see in here, Right? Just as children, children mimic, do they? And I just watch people. I've noticed, uh, you know, it seems like this little wimpy personality, real quiet person. You know, they're just kind of sitting there and they're not saying a whole lot. And, you know, maybe nod their head every once in a while when you're in conversation or in a group or in a crowd. But I've seen that same person. If somebody hits them wrong, if something that really, really jolts what they think and believe and tries to affect their life, I've seen them rise up. Have you seen them do that? Maybe you're a personality like that. Huh? So again, you know, uh, we don't want to be one that follows the crowd. We want to be a person that believes what we believe, stands up for what we believe, and we're bold about it in a kind, loving way. Yes or no? See, when as I was young, what others said and did affected me more than it should have. But when I, when I found out who I was in Jesus when I came to Jesus and I got born again, became a new creature in Christ Jesus. You know what happens? When you are born again, your foundation for life changes. Instead of your foundation being physical things, natural things, mental things, we need to educate our minds. We need to take care of our bodies. But the most important part of us is our spiritual life. And when you come to Jesus, there's a new foundation in life. It's the spiritual foundation. And I found that when you have the proper spiritual foundation, it'll change how you think eventually. It'll change what you do with your feelings eventually. And then it'll also affect the habits that you've allowed in your physical body. Yes or no? I stopped believing my feelings I stopped, uh, I started to weigh what I felt against what God said about me in, in his word. So how do you live life today? Do you take a minute when thoughts come, when feelings come, when something jolts you? What do you do? I can well remember just as an 18-year-old boy, 19-year-old boy, when I first came to the Lord, I started reading my Bible. How many know you ought to read your word every day? But I came to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, and that was a big change for me. And I read 2 Corinthians 5, 7, 4, we walk, it's not in the notes, we walk by faith, not by sight. Other translations, we live by what we believe, not by what we feel. 
I really like that. And see, that challenged me as a young person because I was one of those people, you know, I stick my finger in there and see which way the wind's blowing. That's where I'm going to be today. And it was just that way when I found out, when I found out that, that I needed to resist what I'm thinking. And I also found out my mind's positioned and my mind is set and trained to lead me away from God, not towards God. Did you know your mind, your natural mind, your carnal mind will lead you away from God, not to God? Will lead you into difficulty, not away from difficulty? Believe it or not, it's trained that way. That's why we got to get our minds renewed. Yes or no? So again, when I got into the Word, we walk by faith, not by sight. Then 2 Corinthians 4.18, it's not in the notes. While we don't look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen or felt. The things that are seen are temporary. Things that are not seen are eternal. What are you doing with that? Do you live by what you feel? Question, ask yourself, do I live by what I feel? Does what I feel and, and do the thoughts that are in my mind that have nothing to do with God, do they bear more weight than what God says about me in his word? If that's the case, how many know it's time to make some changes? I'm just trying to direct us today. If you'll, if you'll change the foundation of life from thoughts and feelings to what God's word says, it'll make all the difference in the world. I learned as a young person, I started to ask myself, wait a minute, what does the Bible say about this? I'd get up and I didn't feel right. What does the Bible say about this? And these scriptures that I was reading, they came to me. Well, we walk by faith and not by feelings. We don't look at the things that are seen or felt, but the things that are not seen and are not felt. And so I begin to say out loud, Lord, you know, it feels like I'm defeated. I feel like I'm oppressed. I feel like life is not working right. I feel like nobody loves me. I feel like I'm not gonna be effective. But you know what? You said I'm more than a conqueror. You said I can overcome. You said I can walk by faith and not by feelings. You said if you be for me, who can be against me, right? And this stuff started coming up inside me. And you know, when I begin to act against my feelings and act against my thoughts, life changed. How many hear me? And it's been changing all these years. It's just amazing to me. So you say, well, pastor, I'm not there yet. Well, you can get there just like I did. But you got to do what I did. You got to get in the word. How many hear me? Joshua chapter one, verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Now, right there, stop right there. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. So meditate and mouth go together, Right? You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. So meditation, mouthing, saying, speaking, doing, all go together. Uh, if I'm not doing what he said, I'm not meditating in what he said. Yes or no? So if all you do is come and listen to me, I love to preach. You can listen to me all day long. But if you go home and don't do anything with it, guess what? Guess what? If you don't get the word in you, then it won't change what you do. But he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So what's that saying? I need to say what he says. I mean, say it out loud, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You know, I've, I've developed a habit and I've been doing this for decades. It's, it's like the back of my hand. I, I, you know, you, you look at your hands when you're shaving or, you know, I used to when I comb my hair. Now when I shave it, shave my head. But you know, you, look, you know your hand. Well, it's just like the back of your hand, I, like the palm of your hand. I know my hand. Well, you know what? You'll, when you know the word that way, it'll change who you are. And I've been, uh, I've been, I've been uh, so, it's such a pattern for me. I get up in the morning and I say, God, I just thank you. I sang a few songs to him this morning. And he ministered to me. And I said, Lord, can I talk to you a minute? I just want to remind me of what you said about me. And I just go through the scriptures. I just say it, Lord, I thank you. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things are, are become new. Thank you. Jesus was made to be my sin so I could be right with you today. It's not my good works, by my good works that I'm saved, but by your goodness, by your works, you saved me. By the washing of regeneration, Titus 3 says, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You've placed your hand upon my life. I just talk to him. I tell him what he said about me, and I don't do it for his sake. I do it for mine. How many know you relate to God according to his word? Uh, um, Bible in basic English, Joshua 1.8. Let this book of the law be ever on your lips. Look at that. Isn't that good? 
and in your thoughts day and night so that you may keep with care everything in it. Then a blessing will be on all your way and you'll do well. You know, my dog woke me up at 2 o'clock this morning. I got so aggravated at him. I mean, he knows, he knows the, he's a schemer and uh, I should have taken him out before I went to bed. I thought my mother did. Susan's not here, so. Yeah, she usually does. So he sat right there at my door and barked. He just got one bark and I'm, I know what he's saying. Get up, turn the alarm off and take, let me go outside. I got to pee. That's what he's saying. One bark. So I, I did. He looked at me and I looked at him like, you rascal. So I opened the door, took, cut the alarm off, opened the door, shut, lay back down in bed. Here's a little bit. I heard a little nip. And here's what it said. I hate being cold. Get, get over here, open this door so I can get back in the house and go back to bed. So I did, opened the door, let him in, put the alarm back on, and then went to bed, and then I couldn't go to sleep. <laughs> and then I thought, and I started to get aggravated at him. I thought, you know, I'm, a, I'm better than that. I'm not going to do that. And you know what I did? Now, here's what the devil will, here's what the devil hates. I started meditating on Scripture. Sometimes I just run a theme all through the book, a book of the Bible. I started with uh, Matthew, just happened to start with Matthew 4, 4 at 2 o'clock this morning. Really, it was about 2.10. 209 actually when he came back in the door I looked at the clock the like uh, uh, man shall not live by bread alone and I slayed there but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God I love to eat but I love your word more food helps me but your word ministers to me man shall not live by I just kept reading, reading it over and over in my head man shall not live by bread alone by, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If I'll do what you said, I'll live. I won't just survive, I'll live. Man shall not live by bread alone. So it's not natural things that motivate us in life. It's spiritual things. So that's meditating. And I just went through the book of Matthew. And you know, I don't remember how far. I think I might have got to maybe Matthew 5. Matthew, I got to Matthew 6. I, did, I got to Matthew 7. I did not get to Matthew 8 because I went to sleep. And don't count sheep, meditate on the word. You'll go right to sleep because the devil don't want you, he doesn't want you meditating on the word. I'll tell you that right now. Anything trying to keep you awake, you'll go to sleep. You'll go right to sleep. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom. Wisdom's the ability to put into practice what you know. So ask yourself this question, does the word dwell in me enough that in every area of my life, uh, scripture comes up when I have to make a decision, whether it's financial, whether it's uh, relational, whether it's in your marriage, with your children, with how you do your job, with ethics, with how you treat people? Do you have scriptures that come up on the inside? If not, how many know there's some work to be done? Let the word, let, that addresses the will. Allow the word of Christ to dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That means you got to take time, right? So let me just say this. When the word gets inside of us, life flows. Did you hear what I just said? Lack is a result of neglecting God's plan for life. All lack. Could that be true? Now, now, don't misunderstand me. Sometimes we'll have testing periods where God will say, I want to see if you'll trust me. Yes or no? And these are designed to help us in our faith. So, you know, living my life, I've gone through, Susan, I've gone through seasons of leanness financially, mostly because we had four kids and we were putting all our money into that. And we didn't have a whole lot else left over. Y'all been there? Or you might be there right now. I kind of get that, you know. And then while you're doing that, the car, you got to put new tires on the car. And then you got to buy a new washing machine. Then you got to get the hot water heater repaired. And then, you know, something else goes wrong. And you just constant. Is that true? So you have those kinds of uh, times. But how many know God meets need? Lack. Lack is something that's on the inside of us. Lack is when you feel like you never quite are going to make it. You feel like you're on the edge all the time. That is an attitude and a disposition of lack, and it's never the will of God for you to be at lack. Everything that I just read, we've had some crazy things happen to us financially, but you know what? When you trust God, you know the end result is that need's going to be met. All of my needs would be met. God will always come through, and I'll always have more than enough because I'll have enough to give and bless and help somebody else, right? Yeah. 
So lack is a result of neglecting God's plan, God's word. If you get the word in you, lack cannot be. You might have a need, but God always meets the need. Yes or no? Matthew 6, 33, but seek first. The, seek what? First. Seek what? Say it again. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Question, are you seeking God first? Put God first. Listen to Psalm 1. I love this psalm. I meditate on it a lot. And this is New Living Translation. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. That means that person's probably cut the evening news off. Or they've cut off the news broadcast they hear on their phones or whatever. How many hear me? Or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. What does that mean? They're in the Word, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. When you've got the word in you, the enemy and circumstances can put you down, but you always, you always rise back up. You know, when I was a kid, I did crazy things. I had a cat, and I, because people talked about how a cat always lands on his feet. So I'd hold my cat upside down by his feet. I know, that's crazy. And I'd let him go, and sure enough, flip, he'd flip over and land on his feet. That's terrible. It, I shouldn't tell you that. When I was, I wasn't saved. Give me a break, huh? I know, right? I did it. But you know what? You're that way as a believer. I don't care what comes to knock you down. You're going to land on your feet. You're going to be okay. I don't know whether or not a cat has nine lives. They do have an uncanny way of overcoming obstacles. Is that true? And you'll be that way as well. He said they're like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit. In their season, their leaf doesn't wither and they prosper in all they do. Now, listen to this. This year is going to be a year of contrast, and the contrast is going to be those that make a decision. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to let the Word dwell in me richly, or the ones that just kind of lag behind, don't do anything with the Word. They come to church. They're nominal believers. They say they're saved. They say they're going to heaven, but they live lives that are not based and founded on Scripture. Now, now that, that's the contrast. And if you're in that second, uh, if you're in that second uh, uh, field of endeavor, then you're going to have challenges this year. Secondly, as we hurry on here, ask God for a hunger for the Word. The greatest hunger in life you'll ever have is for the Word. Our hungers define us. Yes or no? And if I'm not hungry for the Word, it's probably because I'm filled with something else. I've shared this uh, I won't tell which one of these my children did this, but I had one child. She'd come to the, I said she. I got three. Well, I got three girls. You can't, and I got a boy. But you don't know which one. So we get to the dinner table, you know. We got your green beans. You got your mashed potatoes. You got your chicken. And, uh, you know, so we got to eat them before you get a dessert, before you can have anything else. So we'll just put it in the refrigerator. And she'd just, you know, just kind of mess around with it. She, you know, put a little tiny bit of mashed potatoes in her mouth, cut a little piece of chicken, but she's just kind of messing with it, you know, putting it all over her plate to make it look like she ate a lot. She didn't eat hardly any. I said, where's your appetite? She'd go, hmm. She always had this look. You kind of look down. I said, oh, okay. Okay, well, go on then. You, I'll put it in the refrigerator. And, you know, if you're hungry later, we'll, we'll heat it back up for you in the microwave. So I went down to her room and uh, all around the wastebasket. With candy wrappers. Susan's love language is candy, part of it. Don't tell her, you can tell her I said that. And she had a candy stash in the kitchen up in one of the cupboards, and that little girl found out where it was. And she'd sneak up there, get her some candy, you know, run to the bedroom. Thought nobody knew, but she forgot to put it in the trash can, the wrapper. Now, why did I say that? The candy of the world will quench your hunger for God. Or, or the, just the candy of other things. There's so many distractions, yes or no. And Satan's goal is to get us away from the word and distracted. So I've got this in my notes. Listen to this. If you spend more time on social media than in the word, you'll crave social media more than you hunger for God and you'll be deceived. Yes or no? You know, it's sad to me that so many people, uh, most everybody has a cell phone. In fact, the craziest side I've seen is Here's a guy in southern Ethiopia. There's no running water or electricity, but he was riding a donkey and talking on a cell phone. 
True story. True story. The whole world's got a cell phone. And to me, it's the greatest distraction of our age. And it keeps people away from God and keeps people so surface in their relationship with the Lord. So let me say this. If you spend more time paying attention to... Lord, can I... If you spend more time uh, paying attention to hunting and fishing, if you're a man, there are some women like that, uh, then paying attention to God and spiritual things, uh, what will you have a hunger for? Is there anything wrong with hunting and fishing? But if you spend all your time thinking about it, and then if you're not doing it, you're buying a gun, or you're thinking about a new one, or you're thinking about a different lure, or you're looking at another fishing pole, or you're looking for another boat. Y'all, you see what I'm saying? If you spend more time paying attention to all the latest sports games and news than you do with God and his kingdom, what will you have more of a hunger for? Nothing wrong with sports, but if you, he didn't say seek first sports and all these things will be added to you. He didn't say seek first hunting and all these things will be added to you. He said seek first the kingdom of God, right? So challenge yourself, right? If you spend an inordinate amount of time on these other things, it hind- I'm telling you, it'll hinder God. Nothing wrong with those things. We're human. We need outlets. We need distractions. Sure, we do. But put first things first. That's what I'm saying. Spend more time with online gaming than with God's stuff. What hunger will you have? Ladies, if you spend more time, uh-uh. If you spend more time with fashion things, I think you ought to look nice for your husband, Right? Uh, fashion things, decorating things, cooking things, or hanging out with your friends, where will your hunger and desires be? Right? You got to think about it. Hmm? So, so these things in moderation, so they're okay. There's nothing wrong with having distractions. I have outlets. You know, I ride a, I ride a, a I've got a really nice um, racing bike, bicycle, and I ride it on the trail. But see, I, I, and I know how long it takes me to do that. I know how long it takes me to prepare and, and all that. And, but I make sure the first thing I do is get in the Word. And then if I'm on the bike, I'm in the Word. Right? So I don't care what your hobby is. Make sure that the Word is your first hobby. Well, you may say, well, well Pastor Wayne, that works for you because you're a preacher. Now, don't, I, I'm glad you said that. Did you know if you're a, a believer, you're a preacher? If you're a believer, you're a preacher, you may not be behind a pulpit doing what I do, but you know what? Your life preaches every day. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, you are our epistles, Paul said, written in our hearts, known and read by all. You know people are reading your life? How about 1, Timothy, 1 Peter three fifteen? Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be always ready, always to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. People are watching you. They're watching how you respond, watching what you do when the crisis time comes, watching what you do when your kid misbehave, misbehaves, and that moves everybody. Is that true? They're watching what you do with your spouse, watching how you spend your money. They're watching what, what movies you go watch. They're watching where your car is parked. They're watching how you drive down 440. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot to say about that. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you'll appear with him in glory. If you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Then he said, don't just seek heaven, think heaven. Do you do that? Do you think heaven? When, when bad things happen, you think, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, no, no. you got to think about it. Get the word in you. Okay, we're going into a difficult time. You figure that out by what I've just said, right? So if you know you're going into difficulty, how wise would it be to prepare? Now, we have six churches in southern Ethiopia, uh, some of them in the mountainous areas, the Yurgacheffi area. That's where the coffee districts are. And I drink Yurgacheffi coffee in the morning, believe it or not. And then we have some other churches, six in a very remote location. The people still, one of the only places in the world people still wear animal skins. It's very hot, uh, arid. And, uh, and, they, and they live in just thatch-roofed, uh, dirt, red dirt-walled huts with dirt floors. That's how they live. And there's no electricity. There's no running water. So when I play, and I have to stay in something like that. And I, is it fun? Uh-uh. No, I'm, uh, hey, I like a nice Hilton. But there ain't no Hilton there. So what do I do? I have to pack my food. I pack my clothing. 
I have to think about what I'm doing. I have to pack, I have to pack every single thing I use. All my, you know, my deodorant, all my personal effects stuff. I have to pack a, a washcloth because you won't find one there. I have to pack a towel because you won't find one there, right? I've got to pack everything, flashlight, batteries, uh, uh, batteries that, that you can plug your phone into because there's no electricity. I take several of those. I have to do that. Uh, soap, coffee, oh, coffee cup's important. Uh, pillow, I even have to take a pillowcase. See, I think about every single thing I do all day long from the time I get up till the time I go to bed and then how am I going to sleep? See, I have to put it in a bag. See, what am I doing? I'm preparing for the challenge. So see, we're going into a different environment in the world right now. If you're just living the way you did five years ago, you are missing God. Now is the time to get the word planted in us. Now's the time to make mental preparations, emotional preparations, physical preparations, and spiritual preparations. You're going to remember that I said this one day. Did you hear what I just said? You remember that I said this. I'm not trying to preach a great sermon. My heart is to prepare you for what's coming. Things that I don't like and you don't like are coming to the earth. And I have a sense and I have a lot to say and don't have time to say it. They're coming to our nation. Get the word planted inside you. If you get the word planted in you, Satan, uh, he's afraid of you. He's not so much afraid of you. He's afraid of the word of God that's in you. Because when a human being plants the word of God inside of them and they're born again and the Holy Spirit lends in them, the combination of the word and the combination of the Holy Spirit will, will make you a force that he can't contend with successfully. You'll whip him every time. Now, for some people, that just went over your head. Do you hear what I just said? The word makes you dangerous to Satan and his kingdom and to challenges that come. The word removes Satan's grasp on life. It quenches fear and empowers the kingdom of God and brings light and truth to the forefront all around you. How many hear me? Satan's kingdom is darkness and it's propagated by lies. It has to have lies and darkness to, to, to exist. And you know, when you're a believer, you just expose lies. You expose darkness. The way you live is an affront to the dark kingdom. And anybody in the dark kingdom trying to mess with your life, it brings up the worst. So get ready for persecution too. How many hear me? Greatest hunger you could ever foster is the hunger for the word. How many hear me? Job 23, 12, I've not departed from his commands. I've treasured his words more than my daily food. King James says my necessary food. I've treasured the words of his lips more than my necessary food. I have read that over the years of my life and thank God, hey, some foods I sure do enjoy and I chew them well and I think about them while I'm chewing it, but I love your word more. Are you that way? Our hungers, again, as we conclude, define us. Our hungers define us. And then what we set our attention on determines what our hungers are. Have you ever thought about that? Our desires, our hungers follow what we give attention to. I'll, I'll close with this. Um, you know, I started, I started off ministry getting right out of the will of God. That's a great way to start out, right? You may be here and you think, well, you just do everything all right. You don't understand. I started ministry wrong. I started ministry out of the will of God, disobeying. Hip, hip, hooray, right? So you may be here and you say, well, you know, it just seems like I'm always messing up. Welcome to the human race. What I can tell you is God's got a lot of mercy and grace if you'll humble yourself and repent. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've been doing, how long you've been involved in it. God will forgive and cleanse if you get your heart straight, if you humble yourself. So here, Susan and I graduated from Bible school. I moved back to my hometown. That's a long story. I'm, I don't want to get in the weeds of that except to say that uh, I was there for 10 months as an associate pastor of a church in my hometown. And, and let me just bluntly say it burned me out. It took 10 months and it burned me flat out. I said, God, what's wrong? And he basically said, I never told you to go there to start with. I said, thank you very much. What did I do? And you know what he did? He placed in my hands all the money we needed to move 1,200 miles back into the will of God. See, when you get your heart right, things begin to work out right. Did you hear what I said? And then when I got back, Susan, I had to move back to Oklahoma where we had been for 
for a couple of years going to Bible school and such. We had to move back there because my assignment there wasn't finished. But see, this I started my life out this way, and I thought about it a lot. I actually have a, um, I actually have an ingram right here on my on my uh, ring finger, and and you can see it right there. Um, and I was working, and as I did, I cut this finger, and I had to have deep, st- almost to the bone. And when it grew back, I've got uh, scar tissue there, and it never grew back right. And every time I look at that, you know what it reminds me of? Obey God. <laughs> Listen well before you act. I look at it and say, yep, there you go. And so we got back and moved back to uh, Oklahoma, to Tulsa, actually. And, um, but I lost my hunger for God. I lost my hunger for the Word. I didn't want to read. In fact, honestly, it's the only time in my life I, had, I, I didn't care if I went to church or not. That's not good to say, but it's true. I was so aggravated. I was aggravated at the pastor that I was associate pastor with, that was my problem, not his, that's my problem. I was aggravated with him, I was aggravated with what I allowed myself, come up and start playing and I'll stop. (laughs) I was aggravated about, you know, what I allowed myself to get into and how much I had missed God. So I was upset with him. You ever been upset with yourself? You just kind of throw your hands up and say, well, I don't care. That's how I was, I didn't care. Well, I wanted to look good to my beautiful wife, Susan. I'd been married to her for several years. I thought, well, I better go to church. You'll think I'm backslid. <laughs> so I went to church. But I sat at church one day, and, 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 and uh, un- amazingly, you know, God will have you at the right place at the right time to hear the right thing that you need. Have you noticed that about your life? It could be somebody that doesn't know the Lord saying something. So, well, you know, that's for me, and that person doesn't even know God. But he's, God's speaking through him like he'd get through a donkey in the Old Testament. Look at there. So, the, uh, so this wasn't. This was a good man. He was an associate. He was a, a guest speaker at our church. And here's what he said: If you don't have a desire for God, you can create one. I thought, man, this man's reading my mail. What is it? And and he's talked about desire following attention. And he gave some examples. And I knew what. You know what I did? I went home. And at the time, cassette tape recorders were the rage. Anybody remember those things? Then mine had a microphone on it with an on-off switch. And I could cut the tape on and off. And so I bought the tapes of my pastor's ministry, cassette tapes. No internet, nothing like that. No personal computers at the time. Just that. And so I got home and, and I'd get the tapes of the services. No kid. I got me a, I got me a, um, a pad and pen. And I set my cassette tape player right here on my desk at home. And I, I, got that on, I wore that on and off switch out. And I wrote everything, single thing that pastor said down. Because the only way I could make myself get into word was to force my own hand. And I forced my hand by saying, I'm going to write down everything he said. And I did that. I did that day after day after day for about three weeks. I was going through the motions. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to read. You know, I just, I just wanted to just sit. In fact, I just, you know. But one day I woke up and I was going through the motions of writing down everything that pastor said. And you know what happened? Hunger for God trickled back in my heart. And I said, Lord, this is really amazing to me. Desire follows attention. Some of you, you're going to have to cut that phone off. you got to cut that. Maybe you just need to cancel your Facebook plan. Well, I can't do that. Well, behind drive. Get off TikTok. Instagram is a bunch of junk anyway. It's a time waster. Do you hear me? Anything that steals and robs your time. As a young man, I read that Smith Wigglesworth, when he came to the Lord, he was an uneducated plumber. And his wife taught him to read. And his only book he ever read was the Bible. And he would take breaks. And on his break, he'd take his testament out and read after he had his little snack and just read a chapter. Then when he had his lunch break, he'd eat his lunch and then he'd read a chapter. And then one of my mentors in the Lord is Lester Sumrall. And Lester Sumrall, as a young man, went to Smith Wigglesworth's house after uh, Smith Wigglesworth was well up into his 80s, just before he died at age 86, 87. And he'd go into his house and he told him who he was and he said he wanted to talk to him. And Smith welcomed him in. And you know what he did? Uh, Here's what he sat him down on the in the they called it a parlor in the front of the house. Sat him down on the couch. Said I was just reading, and he opened his Bible up and started reading to 
Lester Sumrall. He said he read for about 30 minutes. He said, well, let's pray just a minute. He said they'd pray for about 30 minutes. And then Smith Wigglesworth would say, well, it's time for my nap. You got to go. I'll see you later. Bye. And he'd let him out the door. And then Lester Sumrall would say, why on earth did that man treat me like that? And then he said this. I noticed I went again and again and again. He said, you know something? When I left that house, I had a spring in my step. And I had something inside of me that I didn't have before I went. Y'all, I listened. I, wore, I, that, I heard that on a cassette tape and wore it out. I was in my early 20s. I wore it out. I said, God, that's so good. And I started doing that. I'd keep my Bible with me everywhere I went. Every chance I'd get, I'm feeding on the Word, thinking on the Word. I'd take a break and I'd take some time and meditate and memorize Scripture. You know what happens? You know what will happen? You'll get something inside of you that'll do you good when life challenges come. That'll rise up inside you and help you be stable and effective and successful when when all hell's breaking out around you. You want that? Did y'all get something out of that? 